It's March Mania at Sports Interaction. Wow. NHL, NBA, March Madness, MLB, so much more. It's Bananas. B-A-N-A-N-A-S. That was good spelling. Thank you. Play Pinata Picks and Minute Madness exclusive games with insane odds you can't play anywhere else. Make your next bet at Sports Interaction. Download the app in Ontario. Use the QR code at the bottom of the screen. Or head to sportsinteraction.com slash STPN to get started. It's 19 plus. Please play responsibly. So the last episode of, of Drive to Survive, if we're doing reaction to it, is really a summation of the season. Mm. Seems, you know, they talk, they, they have, they talk a little bit about, you know, Ferrari struggles which I think we can talk about. They talk a little bit about, you know, Fernando. Um, uh, Fernando's, I love Fernando Alonso quotes. Ferrari always does some interesting strategies, was his was his quote. Um, and, and, you know, and he says it with like a wink, like he is such a villain, it's perfect. Um, you know, we saw the unraveling of the Mattia Bonotta era mm-hmm. in it with Ferrari. When uh, Leclerc's on the on the headset and he yells, "Stop talking to me! I <laughs> yeah. know what to do." <laughs> that was oh, that was a lot. <laughs> that relationship seemed to have really frayed. Yeah, yeah it was a little strange. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and it, it was. And then you know, later on in the episode, you know, you got a little bit of Mercedes and a little bit of you know a uh, a love note to you know Daniel Ricardo because yeah. he. The producers came out and said after this season was created that there probably wouldn't have been a drive to survive without Daniel and without his story arc. And you think about the first season and about how much he staying at Red Bull or leaving Red yeah. Bull played into that that season arc, right? Yeah, he was episode one, season one, wasn't he? Yeah, first yeah. guy. He was. Um, yeah. And, you know, the win at Monaco in 2018 yeah. and all that stuff, I think... Um, you know, obviously, they're not going to have a hard time finding storylines without him because uh, it's Formula One. But to bring people in, he was quite the ambassador. So I wanted to start there. Um, Daniel Ricardo is, you know, obviously, we've talked about him as the third driver at Red Bull. He could push Checo, that sort of thing. Do you think he comes back and he races for any team other than Red Bull? Oof, uh, that's a great question. It's It's going to... I mean, I think at the end of the day, it's all going to have to come down to what does Daniel Ricardo want to do? Because, you know, I know getting towards uh, the end of last season, he was he was pretty tired. Like, I, you know, I remember talking to him at the USGP and you could just kind of like you could just see it. Like sense the energy was. Yeah, it's just like this guy is kind of like because yeah, there's a lot of people rooting for him. They want him back for sure. I mean, he's great for the sport. He's obviously an awesome driver. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just think he made a couple career decisions that didn't really pan out for him, unfortunately. I mean, but as a Formula One driver, it's kind of have to take your risks, right? right. And just, you know, take your opportunities when they come and hopefully they pan out for you. But unfortunately, you know, just didn't really go his way. I think at the end of the day, it's similar to what we had said in previous episodes where it's kind of like, okay, what happens with Sergio if Sergio's not performing? Yeah. You know, then definitely, you know, Danny Ricardo's coming in for sure. Um, whether or not Daniel Ricardo can get to another team on the grid in 20, like for 2024, that is going to be the question because personally, I don't think so. Mm-hmm. I really don't. I think his best shot is Checo's seat. At Red Bull, either if in a few years' time Checo is not there, then Daniel Ricardo comes in, or Checo struggles and they replace Checo with with Daniel Rick. But I don't, I don't really, pers- I don't see him getting in anywhere else. Not unless there's a driver who's really, really struggling. Like, 
maybe they convince them to go to Alpha Tower if one of their two drivers is really, really struggling. But I mean, I don't know. That's tough. That's it's going to be tough for him to get back. I think. Yeah, and that's tough for for Formula One fans to hear, right? For like, sure, you know, hundred percent. But at the same time, you know, he's got to be. You know, he's got to he's got to be want to do it. Mm-hmm. He's got to like he has to want to do it, or else just. You know, forget it. Yeah, one heck of a broadcaster. I know Nico yeah. Rosberg. Oh, yeah, sure. Nico Rosberg makes headlines all the time, and and Nico's not an unlikable guy, but that he does rub people the wrong way. There's no question. It seems like Daniel could be a guy that could just be here's here's a guy, a great ambassador for the sport for twenty or thirty years to come. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, uh, yeah, Nico's very opinionated. By the way, um, it seems like there's still from time to time, like you'll see Nico at the track, you know, not broadcasting from home, and you'll see him and Lewis Hamilton go face to face. And <laughs> it happened last year. Lewis like ducks him. Still, it's a little bit. Weird. They're not buddies. It's spicy. <laughs> spicy. Uh, Word. I. Okay, so I was in Montreal. I'll give you a little story. I was in Montreal, uh, Canadian Grand Prix, I want to say 2016. Uh, I was doing an interview with uh, one-on-one with Lewis, uh, just he and I, and I'd set up in, I believe it was their hospitality tent, and we'd set up, we were ready to roll, and uh, Lewis comes in and sits down, and then Nico's doing a, a press as well in the hospitality tent. And Nico comes in and I do just when Nico came in, like I'm not saying that like <laughs> he had anything to do with what happens next. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm what I can tell you is what I saw. And I was sitting there, Lewis and I were about to do our thing. Nico comes in, Lewis is like, Hey, let's uh, beautiful day outside, let's go outside and do this interview. And I'm like, Wow. Sure. So, you know, we we struck everything down. We go outside, set it all up, do our interview. Lewis is great, like always, but uh, there there was that. So I don't know if that had anything to do or if Lewis really just thought it was a beautiful day outside. Sure, yeah. It's funny, eh? They grew up as friends. Mm -hmm. So crazy. But that's driving. Like when you're like when you're competing against each other at that sort of at that level, um, and especially that twenty sixteen season between the two of them, both of them were just on their game like they were incredible pushing each other and you know honestly i'm i am so uh grateful that i got to witness that and you know report on it and be a part of formula one during that because i saw so much stuff and and it was an incredible battle and there was no other team that was going to catch them no yeah and like that was the story and it was an incredible thing to watch because both drivers were going to the limit like Rosberg was on like a separate sleep schedule just so when he got to another part of the world he would be uh, acclimatized to the time change as he landed like that's the level that these guys were going to like Nico was like planning like okay it's 3 p.m. here I believe it, well, I want to say like Sweden or Switzerland is where he was at the time um, that's what the time is here I'm going to bed, 3 p.m. And I'm waking up at 12 a.m. and doing my training and doing everything and doing my day. And so by the time he got to wherever that time change was gonna happen, he was gonna be ready. Wow. No, it was they- incredible. Like both drivers, just it was it was incredible. And uh you could see fractures between the two of them years before. Like I would say a little bit in 2014, 2015 for sure, and then 2016. It was just like both of them were like, forget it. You know, Lewis obviously being the ultimate competitor, 
right? Mm-hmm. And just wanting championships after championships and mm-hmm. wins and pole positions. That's the problem. Both yeah. of them refuse to be number two. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And 100%. this season wasn't really a Mercedes season because early on they established the car wasn't it and they never got it together. Mm-hmm. And then the last episode, they have the, the battle for second in the constructors. And then Lewis fittingly just ends his season not being able to finish the race in the car that plagued them all season long. Mm-hmm finally completely gives out and can't even run anymore and he walks off Abby which is Abby. such a bummer i wanted yeah i was really looking forward to that that battle going into that last race i think um if i remember correctly when he went he went off track when lewis went off track uh he had hit one of the sausage curbs and it, i think it damaged something like underneath the car in the engine department somewhere mm. in the power unit department that's why it kind of yeah so things went pear-shaped for him because of that and i'm glad you brought that up because I, it, so much of it is about ending the season and then on to the next. We're on to the next. We've seen Toto Wolf right after the race say, we're not competitive and we need to go back to the factory and change everything. And we've seen Lewis now in the last couple of days come out and say, uh, they didn't listen to me. I told them that what was wrong with this car and they didn't listen. Where's Mercedes at? Uh, They're in a very tough position, I think. And it's going to be a while before they get back to where they used to be. They've lost a lot of talent at that team. It's gone to other teams. Uh, on top of all of that, the aero philosophy, this design philosophy that they've kind of stuck with is just not, it's just not working. It's like we had said in our preview pod where it was like, if the fastest car is doing that with their car, that's what you need to be doing too. That's Formula One, right? right. Convergence happens. Yeah. Yes. Everybody starts Copy copying Aston everybody Martin else. Won yeah. in a Red Bull this yeah. weekend. You know, you know they came I mean? third in a Red Bull. The crazy thing about the Aston Martin is it looks like the Ferrari and it looks like the Red Bull. Yeah. It looks like both of those cars sort of combined and it's perfect on its tires uh, at, at a track that's incredibly hard on tires. So, you know, you can only see into the future where that's going. Um, but for Mercedes, yeah, hearing from uh, Andrew Shovelin uh, today, or when are we recording this? Tuesday, Thursday. Um, yeah, he's saying, hey, this car is going to look a little different in a few races' time. So wow, that's going to be interesting to see. Fascinating what that looks like. with the with the series us ending it, you know, on episode ten. There were some things they they left out of the series. Like, I don't know what you noticed, but for me, what stood out was in Saudi Arabia when they had the explosion pre-race and all the drivers oh, got together yeah, and they had a meeting about canceling the whole, the whole weekend. Yeah. I thought that was probably one of the most dramatic F1 yeah. moments of the entire year yeah. and they left it out of the series. And I don't know if there's politics involved in that. You know, maybe that's something they don't want to show because of the government's involved and all that. But I don't know, that really stood out to me as something not in the series. I don't know what stood out to you. Um, George. Like mm. George Russell's win in Brazil. I mean, mm. he got the little moment, and but it wasn't, it wasn't an episode, you know? Yeah, and I kind of think that they... They maybe could have found a way of tying it into that Mercedes episode that, mm-hmm. that, that you see at the just off the top there at the beginning of season five, only because where that car uh, started and then where it finished. And I don't really think they gave George uh, enough credit mm-hmm. because that car wasn't good at all. But George has driven cars that are worse 
way worse, like scary worse. Like bad Williams. Like yeah. bad Williams, Williams at the worst. But like Williams bad 2019 bad where that car was like, you never knew what you were going to get. That is scary. And for George uh, to drive the way he did, what he learned through those times at Williams taking that, I think that played a huge factor in why he outperformed Lewis like last season. I mean, mm -hmm. not in the qualifying sense, but in terms of scoring more points than, than Lewis and finishing higher in the championship. In that Brazil race, it was 1-2, right? Uh, if I remember correctly, it was. Yeah, yes. he, he out-battled him that, that race in the same car. It's so, very I mean, impressive. I mean, it's like, that's a huge moment. That's a huge moment for Mercedes, like as a team. Uh, it's a huge moment for George. It's his first like ever Grand Prix win. Like the guy's huge. been yep. like doing everything he can to get into that team and he finally gets it and the car is like not very good, but he makes it work for him. And yeah, I just thought that that should have been in there, but that's my own opinion. But regardless of all that, I love the season. Yeah, I did. I really like it. And as, so as, as somebody who reports on this, who's in the press conferences, you give it an approval. Yeah, I really do. I mean, because I think when we first started recording this, like I think I said, like I didn't really care much for season three and season four, and I don't. I think mm -hmm. those are terrible seasons. But seasons five is, I think, is brilliant, and yeah. I hope that when they move on to do season six, they stick to sort of this this formula because it was. I thought it was really good. Yeah, and and they've they've done a good job of looking ahead, mm -hmm. and I think a big focus at the end of it was on the Vegas race because obviously the American audience is kind of what's driving mm -hmm. Draft to Survive, and I feel like that's going to be a huge turning point for uh, F one. They're adding the races, and this one in particular is going to become sort of marquee event. You know, the big American race ahead of probably uh, the American Grand Prix right now and Miami. Yeah, it's such an important event for them i mean f1 even putting up a lot of their own money to mm -hmm. to do vegas and the permanent paddock they're building right yeah now. i don't know yeah. if you've seen the images yeah. it looks committed incredible yeah. that's their like home that's their that's like f1's uh home base now for north america so wow vegas so is that, yeah that vegas place. is serious <laughs> yeah yeah i yeah. mean like same thing with canadian grand prix like um uh, on the track there, I mean, like that building, like that's where a lot of the folks for Canadian Grand Prix work. So wow. yeah, that's like their sort of head office. So okay. I mean, it's sort of going to be similar for F1 when they do their North American office. It's going to be in Vegas. Do we see an F1 race in Toronto ever? No. Nah. <laughs> I just thought maybe, can that's they use the Indy course? Can they use the Indy course? No? Yeah. <laughs> oh, gosh. That's not going to happen. Down Lakeshore? Uh, yeah. Use F1 cars? <laughs> like the thing, I, I don't know. Like for for me, I'm a, I, I have raced in both races. So I've raced in uh, Canadian Grand Prix in the undercard. And I've raced at, uh, you know, the, the Honda Indy uh, in IndyCar. And so... For for me, both tracks have are very different. Yeah. Uh, one track would absolutely destroy a Formula One car. Uh, good thing Indy cars are built very robustly. They're like tanks, so yeah. they can handle the downtown streets of Toronto. <laughs> uh, but then you have the, such the, the history of the Canadian Grand Prix. Yeah. Right? Oh, never, of course, you would never want to take it away. But never. can Canada get a second race? I guess. I just don't know if we're. I just don't know if Canada's big enough. You right. Know what I mean, yeah. like. If you look at the United States, like what are they? 130 something million? Oh, the United States? Oh no, 330 million. Is that what it is? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm way off. <laughs> uh, and then you what? You look at Canada, what are we? We 40? are 36. Yeah. yeah if I'm at one, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. I have one standout event in mm -hmm. Canada that people love to come to. 
I'm not going to go on that. The only, thing, the only thing with the Joe Villeneuve circuit is the fact that you got to get across the water to get to it. Oh, it's waiting for that brutal. stupid subway. Makes me crazy. No. Uh, but other than that, it's great. I'd rather swim. <laughs> I would rather freaking swim than take that subway again. I remember, like, and it's been such a boom with uh, Drive to Survive and these races because in 2019, so before the pandemic, so in 2019, um, Canadian Grand Prix had, like, over well over 300,000 people for that weekend and I had never seen it that busy before in my entire life and I was mm-hmm. like oh my god this race is ridiculous I remember uh, sorry go ahead it go took ahead. A, so when we go to the race okay we have to drive onto the island yeah yeah we drive past every we drive we go everywhere the the, the f1 drivers go so we drive on we drive all the way around the very back we park up on this hill and um then we have to like get off of the island and you know you're done your reporting everybody's packing up ready to go home on the sunday and it's usually two hours the race is over so you're thinking everybody is like gone it takes you at least an hour and a half just to drive like maybe oh, four kilometers I'm not to get off the island. It's because there's so many people. Yeah. Like it's such a big event. And yeah. then and that same thing happened in uh in, in 2022. Like I just can't believe how big uh the Canadian Grand Prix has gotten. You can make massive, a lot of money just massive. ferrying people away from that uh <laughs> in in a private boat. I honestly the one thing I will say, and then we'll wrap it up. They is, actually do have the private boats. Do they? Okay. See, I would I would like to do so that. So, like, those are, I think, I don't know how all of the private boats work, but you do see them, like, zipping up and down the rowing basin, and it's kind of like they're taking either people who are going to the hospitality mm. or their folks who work in the paddock. But, like, it's cool, man, because you're, like, the boats, when you're walking, so we park our car, we have to walk onto the island still. So we have to go across the rowing basin. So they build this bridge. And it's not a permanent bridge, but it's a bridge that it's built there just for the race weekend. So you have to like walk up this bridge and then the boats are like going underneath you. As wow. Like are, yeah, it's cool. That man. is cool. It's, it's really cool. So yeah, when I went, it was for a bachelor party in 2016. Nice. It was, so that was like the Rossberg Hamilton yeah. year and Lewis Hamilton ran away with it. But um, I can remember uh, that the entire weekend with the Airbnb and food and everything cost me less than $750. And we had a weekend pass. Wow. That's, that's what that's Formula One in Canada one used to cost. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're just like, yeah, yeah. used to cost. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Now, wow. now you're, that's a day. Yeah. That's a day. And we were quarter one, by the way. We were right down the straight nice. first quarter. So anyway, Tim, thanks so much hey, for doing this. Well, thanks, man. Appreciate Remember, it. Nailing the Apex, STPN's newest show, uh, Formula One, IndyCar, race fans. Uh, Tim's the guy for you. Check him out uh, Thursdays, Sunday, Mondays, and of course, uh, midweek as well. Tim, good luck with the show this season. Thanks, man. man. Appreciate it.